Our language is a Prue's worst nightmare. Content is not suitable for all listeners. You have been warned. Welcome! You're listening to Bewitch Banter. I'm Krista, and I believe that people are inherently shitty. And I'm Amy, and I tend to believe that people are naturally good. But ironically, I'm a super believer in the supernatural and all things spiritual. And I'm a total skeptic. We're best friends, and in this podcast, we're seeking to explore and understand each other's perspectives with deep dives into the spooky, the spiritual, the magical, and the mystical and some straight up spoofs today is dream story time hopefully these aren't haunting dreams but it sounds like you might have a little bit of a creepy nightmare situation oh yes buckle up your seats everyone get ready oh we are going to murder town murderville which is absolutely hilarious if you guys don't watch it (laughs) Have I watched it? Yeah. We watched it with Corey. And you thought it was kind of stupid. Oh, yeah. I didn't like it. But anyway, it's hilarious. Go watch it. Murderville. Yeah, it wasn't my thing. It wasn't my jam. I thought, uh, well, I don't know where I'm going with this. (laughs) (laughs) I had a thought and now I'm brain dead. Brain dead. It's not coming to her in her dreams. Well, one thing you didn't cover in your history actually is sleepwalking. I didn't. You're right. Which is really fascinating. Cause, and I was looking into it a little bit more because my story I'm going to cover, his name is Albert Terrell, but he has been nicknamed the Sleepwalker Killer. Whoa. But I wanted to talk a little bit about sleepwalking first. Oh, good. I'm glad you got it down because I didn't, I don't know why I didn't think about it as like dreaming. Are you dreaming, I guess, from your research? <laughs> I don't really have the answer for that. Okay. I think if we really want to examine sleepwalking, that would be another episode. great episode. Okay, Add yeah, it to the list. Totally. When I looked into it, they said around, which is a huge uh, number, so it kind of gives me the idea they don't know shit about fuck Marty. Mm-hmm. Like you always say, around 1 <laughs> to 15% of the U.S. adults, not children, adult population sleepwalks. But that number to me is such a huge variable that makes me think they don't really know. Yeah, right. Children are different, though. Majority of children do sleepwalk at some point. And they believe it's because children experience less rapid eye movement, which we talked about. Yeah, I didn't realize. I would think the opposite. But that's interesting. I actually agree with this because I know my sister, she had... A sleepwalking story when she was a kid. Oh, she did? So both of you two have some weird sleep things. Well, it's common for kids to sleepwalk, Okay. Though. It's not, like, what I'm saying is very common. Uh, well, I'm just saying you got your night terrors and... Yeah. <laughs> so he's got sleepwalks. <laughs> when I think I might have a, might have sleptwalk as a kid. I need to ask my mom, though. Okay. And fact check that. But it's really common. And usually it's from kids who are the age of three and seven okay and that i don't know the logic or the science behind this but they said that kids who wet the bed Mm -hmm. they are more likely to sleepwalk too Hmm. so those two factors tend to go hand in hand okay and sleepwalking which i thought was a really another fascinating fact it's actually a genetic thing it tends to be in the family so if let's say your father is 
a crazy sleepwalker, mm-hmm. then maybe you might have a more likelihood of being someone who sleepwalks at night. Hmm. And 80% of people who experience sleepwalking have other family members that do as well. So it shows you oh, how much wow. it's really passed down. So then you guys maybe get it from your family. Yeah. I didn't get into this because I think this would be a, another fascinating topic for another day, but I were always vividly going back to Oprah like I always do. <laughs> always the Opes. But she has like some great stories on her show, and I always remember she had a lady on her show, and this isn't that uncommon, that where this lady, I believe she was like on a diet, eating really healthy, and she kept gaining weight, and she just could not figure out for the life of her what was oh, happening. Oh, the sweet eaters. Yes. Yes. I think I remember this story on Oprah, actually. That is my worst nightmare. I'm yeah. sorry, but... That'd be awful. Maybe yes. that's what I do. No, I know. I just fucking eat while waking. <laughs> but I would like, if I'm going to eat all this food, I want to enjoy it and be present for that's it. That's true. The, I would have a lock on my fridge. Oh, that'd be awful. You would have to lock me in my room because I'm like, I am not eating in my sleep and not enjoying it. That's I'm a, right. Yeah, I better enjoy Hell that yeah. damn uh, like cheeseburger mm-hmm. I'm eating at Give three in the morning. Oh, I, want, I might get in and out later. Ooh, that's the best. Our weekly food mention. In and out. <laughs> Sponsor us. <laughs> no, we usually talk about Jersey Mike's, which I <laughs> saw Jer- someone eating Jersey oh. Mike's the other day. And I was like, triggered. And I texted you and I go, it's been two months since we've had Jersey you Mike's. You did. You were trying to like slightly pressure me. Like, come on, man. Jersey Mike's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been two months. We are abstaining. What is wrong? I was like, who are we? I know. Back to sleeping, not food, which I do love to talk about. <laughs> so sleepwalking the part of the brain that stores memories isn't working so that's why a lot of people wake up and they don't have any don't idea. remember it okay and the part of the brain that allows people to make decisions isn't active either however the brain uh the part of the brain that processes and remembers like heavily practiced movements is active so i'm thinking a little bit like there are certain things you do in life that you don't consciously have to think about okay And you do that in your sleep. And then I want everyone to remember this tidbit from my story. Because I think it's really essential to my story. That is, sleepwalkers only do things they have done before. Hmm. Because you're doing heavily practiced movements. You're not going to do new things in your sleep. So you're not having new experiences. So, like, think about the lady who's going to the fridge eating. That's something she's done before. Poor lady. Yeah. But you're not going to take on, like, a new experience. Like, if you've never... I don't know why this is coming top of mind, but if you've never bowled before, you're never going to bowl before. Okay. If you never murdered, you're probably not going to murder again. <laughs> Bef- or you've never murdered before, that's not going to happen. Oh, wait, so is your guy murdered? Yes, and that's Ooh. why I'm saying remember this tidbit. Ooh. I don't know why I threw bowling in there. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> okay, because <laughs> I'm such a big bowler. Wait, so that means mean this dude has murdered. Okay, yeah, but think about it. Yes. Right, in that theory. Yes. Now I'm going to get into my story. So a little background on Albert. His full name, just to remind you, is Albert Terrell. But I'm going to call him Albert. He was born in 1824 and lived in Weymouth, Massachusetts. And he married at the age of 16 to Mary Bickford. And they had two children. Okay. He is a shitty husband. Uh, He had a reputation for sleeping around. Oh, man. And I believe he did it so much that it was, like, commonly known. That was kind of his reputation. Okay. He's, like, a serial cheater. Not just a killer, just a cheater, too. Serial scumbag. He's a shit. 
But his wife, Mary, I don't believe she was the most innocent person either. One of her children, uh, this is very tragic, died as an infant. Oh. And she was living in Maine during the time. And her friends were like, like any good friends were like, well, what can we do do for you? How can we like help you during this tragic time? Mm -hmm. And they ended up inviting her to Boston to spend time with her. Boston. What up, Carrie and John? (laughs) And Mary... Traveled to Boston and, like, absolutely just loved the city life. And more than anything, she loved the glamour and the glitz. Mm -hmm. And the men who had big pocketbooks. Big something. And mostly... (laughs) Big something else. Pocketbooks. More of the money. Because she (laughs) wanted to live this glamorous lifestyle that she's seeing in Boston. She needs someone to, you know, help support it. Okay. Sugar babies. And Mary wrote to Albert while she was in uh, Boston having the time of her life and said the following. Remember, this is early 1800s. <clears throat> I cannot let you know where I am. For the people where I board do <laughs> not know that I have got a husband. James, I feel very unsteady and will consent to live with you and keep house. But you must consent for me to have my liberty. Okay. But I don't know girl. if James is like a nickname because his name is Albert. I'm like, hun, get your husband's name right. Ooh, maybe she's cheating too. Well, she 100% is. People don't know I have a husband. She just admitted that. <laughs> I mean, we don't need to read between the fine lines there. Again, he was a cheater, so let's not waste too much time feeling bad for him. Yeah, nope. I don't think And maybe ass. this was all because he was cheating, so I'm not really going to fault Mary on this one. Okay. And Albert, serial cheater, would love to visit brothels. And, mm-hmm. and this is where he found his new lover, Maria, which ultimately Maria, she took, Maria. She took his last name. Uh, so Maria Bickford. He ended up leaving his past wife and leaving for Maria, the sex worker, and married her. Oh, hey, well, that really happens. Yep. Get it, Maria. However, Albert hated, absolutely hated the fact that his wife was a sex worker and really wanted her to abandon the profession. Yet you frequented brothels. I mean, I can't blame him for hating the fact that she's a sex worker, but I kind of feel like you knew what you were getting into when you started the relationship. Yes, and don't at me with your self-control. Like, she has the autonomy to do what she wants. You don't own her. I, but I also think, why would you marry someone who's a prostitute if you don't condone that lifestyle? Why would he visit brothels if he doesn't condone that lifestyle? I think one, it's one thing to frequent one and then one to uh, be married to someone who does it. Well, I mean, if, I they, don't wanna... listen, if they had an open marriage, that's one thing. If they don't, fine. Right. That is their agreement. But <laughs> I like how we're fighting like... about... Uh, a <laughs> prostitute and a serial killer's relationship. Oh God, we are very invested here. <laughs> I just want Maria to get her shit. Like, well, you're gonna want a lot more from Maria soon. Okay. In 1844, Albert had inherited eighty thousand dollars from his father. His father was a successful shoe manufacturer. Okay. So eighty thousand dollars today. Well, I say probably sell like a fuck. I'm gonna guess. Oh, sorry, eight thousand. I read that oh, wrong. 8,000. Um, hundred k. More. Really? Yep. Five hundred. 
Mm, not quite. So eighth, you were close. Uh, you're well. You're around there. The ballpark. Two hundred thirty thousand okay. dollars today. In the first year of dating his new lover Maria, the sex worker, he spent his entire inheritance. Jesus. Yes. So on I, drugs and sex. I'm assuming. I'm assuming it. Maria was kind of a gold digger. He would buy her basically anything she wanted, oh, and he would take her on several like luxury trips where they only stayed at the best hotels okay. and like dined at the best restaurants. Don't you know? Like this is unacceptable. My <laughs> husband will wire you the money. The money. <laughs> he may have treated her financially well, but emotionally is another story. Okay. A letter was found from Maria, and she was writing her ex-husband. And she told him that Albert had been abusing her, and she wanted to run away without him knowing. Okay. And then I have to do a warning here for anyone who can't handle hearing gruesome shit, because this is very gruesome. Part of our explicit I'm going to say fast forward a minute or so if you're queasy. You know, guys, I am. So watch out for some squeal. Oh, God. I'm nervous. Okay. So not even after a year of being married to Maria, Albert killed her in the most horrific way possible. Maria had just finished with her last customer of the evening, and Albert went up to the bedroom. After the client left, of course. The client's not there no longer. Ain't no there no longer. Ain't there no longer. (laughs) (laughs) Shanique, we don't live here no more again. He's like, like, been there, done. We told y'all last night on recording, Shanique, we don't live here no more. (laughs) Been there, done that. Okay, back to being serious, because this is very tragic. I'm sorry. This is very tragic. I'm just nervous because I don't like this stuff. He used a razor to slit her throat from ear to ear. Mm -mm 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 -mm. Which, by the way, I don't know how I know this, but I know this. If you don't cut from ear to ear, you don't kill the person. So to actually, like, he'll decapitate, you have to go from ear to ear. Okay. I Don't ask. Why don't do at you? me. Don't at me how I know. <laughs> I'm not surprised. I think it's because of all the shit I watch. Anyhow. Oh, really? No shit, Sherlock. <laughs> oh, that's awful. Okay, I'm sorry. In this heated act of passion, he slit her throat so deeply that her head was severed <gasps> from her, the rest of her body. Okay, that's the worst of it. Okay. Sorry, I'm okay, Ella. I know. Ella doesn't like it either. Oh, my God. Okay. Sorry. He lit three fires, and then the fires woke up the brothel owner. owner, Wow. Which, to me, kind of surprised me, because I was thinking you would have... You would think he would have heard, like, the fight, right? Yeah. Because I'm sure... Maybe he did it so swiftly she didn't have time to scream. I doubt it, though. Oh, I don't know. Let's not think about it. The owner then woke up and discovered Maria's body. He immediately called the police. Mm. And when the police came to the scene and were really examining what happened, they found that Maria's hair was slightly burned and her skin was charred. But Mm. remember, he was lighting these fires to destroy the evidence. Oh, my God. Several people had seen Albert fleeing the brothel. So this is very important for evidence, right? Mm-hmm. Eyewitness testimony. Yeah. And informed the police. And this officially started the investigation to find the killer. Okay. While they're searching for Albert, several local newspapers released stories letting the public know what happened to Maria. In the stories, they disclosed that all signs pointed towards Albert being guilty. Hmm. Like I said, several people reported seeing him at the brothel around the time of the crime. 
He also left a bloody razor by Maria's deceased body. Oh my god, dumbass. He left his cane, and then he left bits of his clothing that I'm assuming were probably torn from the altercation Mm -hmm. that happened beforehand. The public, rightfully so, was furious about these ruthless, unjust murders. Mm -hmm. And they were also, you have to remember the time... Remember they were the furious at Albert for leaving his original wife 1800s, for... 1800s, right? 1820s. 1820s. Okay. Well, that's when he was... I believe he was born. So, so born in like the late 1800s, I think this probably. was more 1840s okay. at this time. But they were mad at him also because they thought of him being an unethical person for leaving his wife for a sex worker. Mm-hmm. So it's like it kind of added more fuel to the fire mm-hmm. at this point. They were just like, oh, he's such a terrible human being. Mm-hmm. Albert... While fleeing, trying to flee, he drove down south and he visited some relatives. And his relatives, which I was kind of like, hell no. If you're my relative, I would not help you out in this situation. And also, don't they all always just go down south? Like, you know, Mm -hmm. like, come on. But they uh, were trying to help hide him from the police. And they also gave him money so he could be on the run. So they're helping him. Wow. So I know he went down south, but then he ended up going to Canada. It's like, pick one direction, right? Come on. (laughs) And probably assumed he was going to get away with it at this point. He wrote his family, letting them know that he's planning on fleeing to Liverpool. Oh. He boarded the boat, confident with his future. But however, (laughs) Mother Nature had other plans in store for you, motherfucker. Ow! Mother Nature coming out for your ass. That's right. She don't play. After sailing for so long, this is when the weather started to turn and a storm rolled in. And the crew decided it was way too dangerous to continue the journey. So they turned around and this led Albert to then flee to New York City. So he was down south, Canada, and now he's in New York City. So again, he's like, I'm going to take another boat to try to flee this situation because he's on the run. And you have to think about lots of people Mm -hmm. know his name now. Because his... Better change your name, Albert. And his looks. Because his story had been re- in the mm-hmm. newspapers, sure. right? America's so re- most wanted. Mm-hmm. He bought another ticket, and this ship was supposed to travel to New Orleans. Lola. I'm assuming whoever sold him the ticket or someone who knew of his plans ratted him out. Ooh. And they reached out to the police... And burned Albie. <laughs> and it doesn't say who it was. So I'm assuming it was anonymous. But they received a tip that Albert was going to take boat basically to New Orleans on this day. So he's on the boat again, probably feeling confident, thinking he's getting away with things. <laughs> and this is when the asshole was arrested. And it was big news. And everyone's excited, right? We caught the asshole. Yeah. While they were on the hunt, like... Publicly, everyone seemed to side with Maria. Like, obviously, they're like, he's a serial killer. We need to get him. We, we need to put him in jail. Mm-hmm. But this all changed. Really? Which was really surpri- surprising to me. Word got out that Maria may have been a gold digger. Oh, God forbid she's a gold digger so she gets to de- deserve to be murdered. I know, exactly. F that narrative. And the majority of the public actually turned on Maria and viewed her as, like, being this sexual seductress who seduced Albert and took advantage of him and his money. That's so fucking Because up. money's more wor- worth more than someone's life, wow. I guess. Since Albert's case had received so much national attention, uh, Rufus, and I kept wanting to write chode, but it's choked. 
Um, <laughs> a former senator and lawyer at the present time came, came forward to represent Albert. And I'm so I'm assuming he's like big time. Okay. On March 26, 1846, the prosecution had several witnesses coming forward to reiterate the fact that they had seen Albert Terrell at the brothel around the time Maria was killed. Hmm. Chode argued during the trial that Albert, <laughs> yes, <laughs> that Albert was a noble, moral man. And this all changed due to the fact that he had met Maria. He argued... Noble, moral, my ass. You're going to brothels and cheating on your wife and shit. Your prior wife. Moral. Suck it. I know. I was like, there... It all changed when he met Maria, but he was cheating on his wife when he met Maria. So that's not very... Um, I wouldn't say that's high morals there. Yeah. Funny how they turn their back to those things when it's convenient. And... Hello, Christian community to mm-hmm. Donald Trump. Yes, I'm talking to you. He argued that, yes, people might have seen Albert at the brothel, but he had no motive to kill Maria. Let's think about the fact that he kind of, like, wasted away all his whole inheritance on Maria. So that seems like some reason right. there. Right. And that she wouldn't leave the profession. His other argument was that, yes, you might have seen him at the brothel, but did you actually see him kill Maria? Because... You can't prove that he killed her, right? Mm-hmm. Then Choate, the lawyer, proposed three different scenarios to explain what actually might have happened to Maria. So we're thinking about reasonable doubt here. Right. So scenario one, Maria may have killed herself. Let's remember um, now. No one slits their throat from ear to ear. Their own throat. Well, people might slit their throat, but they don't. you can't do it as... I mean, this is a really dark, messed up thing, but you can't do it that deep. Like, Duh. that has to be inflicted. You know what I mean? Because remember, her head was basically oh, severed off. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sorry Number for two. all our queasy folks. Number two. Number two. He suggested that someone else was guilty of the murder. And since no one saw Albert kill Maria, that there's reasonable doubt. Scenario three. This is when Choates used the defense that Albert was sleepwalking. Okay, I was wondering where we're getting background to yeah. this. And he could not be held liable for his actions. Mm-hmm. Choate then told the jury about how Albert had been sleepwalking since he was around the age of six. Mm-hmm. And he had a reputation to be violent in his sleep. Mm-hmm. He once supposedly hurt his brother. Another time he smashed a window and then this asshole sleeper also pulled a knife on his cousin. If that is true, man, like, he needs to be restrained no kidding. while he was sleeping. But again, remember at the very top I said, people don't create new behaviors. While sleepwalking. Yes. But I'm sure that fact wasn't known at the time. Wow. But I'm like, did he murder before? That's what I'm saying. He must have, right? I think sleepwalking is total bullshit. I think he did a heated moment of action and anger. I don't think he was sleepwalking. Yeah, thank you. This lawyer, at the, you know how people do their like final... Um, their closing argument. Closing argument. Yeah. Yes, that's the <clears> word I'm looking <throat> for. So his final argument lasted over six hours. Hours. Jesus, they're allowed to do that? Yes, that's like torture. Holy shit! And they gave him an hour break from dinner for dinner, but then he blabbed on for another hour oh and a god, half. Oh my god, homie, he did it. We know, just relax. He did it. It's fine. The jury then, uh, after six 
painful hours of probably listening to this person go on and on and on and on. Oh my God, it sounds terrible to me. <laughs> Spent two hours coming to a verdict. So drum roll here. <laughs> what do you think the verdict verdict was? I think I might know it based on my case, but oh, you I, cheated. I uh, not guilty. Yeah, you already knew. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, not guilty. So the jury decided that there was enough reasonable doubt. And Albert was the first man in history to ever walk away from a trial as a free man using the defense of sleepwalking. Wow. And this is my story for the horribly tragic, unjustified death of Maria Bickford. And she still deserves justice Absolutely today. she does. Wow. Yeah. So I took dreaming to very dark, dark place. Dark level. But I was surprised that there's several other people have used this. It's not like a one-time thing. Mm -hmm. Several people have used this defense before. Wow. But he's the first to ever get away with it. Yeah, clearly. That's But there was a listicle of people who have used sleepwalking as a defense. Even like modern people today use it. Wow. Well, I actually have to revisit my notes because my gal who's a badass, um, I'll cover her shortly, I think she, um, I thought it was him, but the timelines might not add up and there must be another sleepwalker killer. No, there's several. Okay, so then yeah, it may not be actually related to yours. Yeah, there's several I was looking up because I was trying to decide which one I wanted to cover. And then I thought, because I, some reason it seems hard, for me emotionally it's harder to cover more recent murders. No, I know it doesn't make one less than the other, but some reason because it was 150 years ago. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. Gotcha. Do you, do you got my? Do you get my logic? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I decided to yeah. go with the older story than a more modern one. Okay, gotcha. But that, yeah, totally on. But that was my story about the sleepwalker Piece of killer. Shit, Albie. Yes. Well, we'll give a uh, hand the mic over to Krista. Yeah, super, super stoked to cover a badass female scientist and a practitioner because she's incredible. So excited to be covering today Dr. Rosalind Cartwright, also known as the Queen of Dreams. Quite um, the nickname. Isn't that awesome? Mm-hmm. And I'll get to why. But most of my information today comes from a New York Times article, stellar writing, um, memorializing her passing last um, year, actually, almost a year ago. And she passes away at 98. Wow. Long life. She was a researcher, one of the very first females in the field, if not the only at the time, uh, for sleep disorders and the role of dreaming in our health. And specifically, one subject group that she did was divorced women. So I was like, I am covering this queen for sure. <laughs> so Interesting. I do want to say at the top, um, she was not related to your guy. I thought she might have been based on the sleepwalk killer, not knowing there was several of those. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so just to clarify, um, Dr. Cartwright was not involved in Amy's case at all, but she was involved in another case, which I'll get to, um, in a little bit. All right. So I'm going to celebrate women again, since we, uh, had a tough International Women's Day on accident. <laughs> yeah, that was totally not planned. <laughs> um, yeah, horrible women. But anyway, Dr. Cartwright 
is known as the queen of dreams by her peers. And those are including people who are like big brains, scientists, doctors, what have you. But the reason is because she studied dreams to actually help people legitimately. So I'm also really proud not only becoming a badass woman, but to be going back to a good person mm-hmm. in our inner concept here. So she helped sleep apnea patients, people with sleep disorders. Sleep apnea is when you lose your breath during your sleep, right? Yep. Okay. Yep. And even depression in divorced women. Hey! <laughs> she was a pioneer in the field of sleep medicine and research since its earliest days. And again, virtually she was the sole woman in the field. Her research of sleep and dreams spanned almost a century. Or excuse me, half a century. So she's doing <laughs> a century it. is like damn. She's like she's coming doing, out of the womb making notes about it. dreams. <laughs> she well, it's funny. Her mom loved dreams, and we'll get to that in in a moment. But um, one of her most na- notable practices happened to be again the testimony of one such sleepwalking killer. This man was also acquitted, and it was in more recent times than yours, which was in the eighteen hundreds. Does that make you sick though? Yeah. That is not a defense in my... Who knew? This was a Canadian man named Kenneth Parks, who also brutally murdered his wife. And God. because of his expert or her expertise, Dr. Cartwright was called to the stand on to testify on his case. And he was, based on her expert testimony, ruled as a non-insane automis- automatism in which she told the jury that there's triggers that can cause sleepwalkers to act in depraved ways. So, like, if in real life you have gambling debts or other marital worries, which this guy did, Kenneth Parks, you're more likely to see cover to act out on your sleep and do those, like, act on things you're experiencing. I, to be honest... Even if you are sleepwalking, I still think you deserve to rot in jail. Oh, yeah. For, especially for your guy. Horrific. Well, that any, I mean, even if it, you really, and I believe, I think it's a bullshit argument. Yeah. You're really not sleepwalking, but if they really truly are, I still think you should go to jail. Yeah, Because you can't be, uh, you could, if you can't control yourself in your sleep, maybe you do need to be locked up. Yeah, exactly. Unfortunately, he was acquitted, as I said, because he, was proven to have some abnormality of moving through sleep stages and somehow technicality got him off the hook. I don't really understand that part. However, murder again was not what Dr. Cartwright lived and breathed. She studied dreams. She knew that dreams played an integral role in people's emotions and sense of self. And when sleep was disturbed, dreams could also really mess up people's work and making really messy narratives for their their lives and really fold into like you're dreaming about it and fold into your dreams so she wanted to understand why that why the emotions we experience in dreams can come out negatively in life so that's what she studied she was born doctor well she wasn't born a doctor (laughs) She was born in New York City named Rosalind Falk. 1992, uh, or excuse me, wow, 1922. Mm-hmm. And her parents were Stella Falk, and she was a poet, and her father was a real estate mogul in Toronto. So Dr. Roz, as she was referred to in one of her articles as, uh, as of honoring of her passing, I think she was really revered by her people. So I'm going to call her Dr. Roz okay. from now. Short I like for, it. Short for Rosalind. Dr. Roz was interested again in sleep from a young age. She knew dreams 
were worth studying and surely believed that. Her mom was fascinated with dreams, as I said, and often recounted her own dreams at the dinner table with her children. And more important, her mother Stella believed in the healing power of sleep. Okay. So Dr. Roz, you know, grows up, she goes to college. And of course, at that time, there are no programs that actually studied sleep. So she went then on to study psychology an undergrad at the undergraduate at the University of Toronto. And then she got her PhD because she's a smart bee from Cornell University. This is where she would study empathy, believe it or not. And I was like, that's fucking cool. I want to mm-hmm. study that. Um, and she became one of the very first scientists to flip the study of empathy on its head. Prior to her work, empathy was seen as a projection that we make up in in fear in response, whereas it's now known because of Dr. Raz's study is that we actually feel that person's emotions physiologically. Yeah, I knew that. As, as an empath, I am, and I'll speak for one. And so she studied that and was one of the pioneers of finding that, oh no, humans are really actually feeling and experiencing the other's emotions. Yeah, yeah that's the difference between like sympathy and empathy. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was really fucking cool. From here, Dr. Ross taught briefly at Mount Holyoke College in Massachusetts, but there uh, she soon after went to the University of Chicago, which is where I thought my sister is, but she's at the University of Illinois, Chicago. My bad. So Carl Rogers was a professor there and invited her to teach, and he was very interested in her work around empathy because he is known as the father of humanistic psychotherapy. And again, bringing it more back to the patient versus external factors that are like outside of you. Mm -hmm. So he was like, let me see how she can study within people, people's emotions from within. And so by accident, Dr. Raz, almost by accident, rather from this article, she found her way to sleep. And again, she finally got there because she had always dreamed of it, pun intended, right? She, she made it happen for herself. She dreamed it. Yes, again, pun intended. So while teaching psychology at the University of Illinois College of Medicine, that's where my sister teaches, P.S. as well, she and her husband were having some tough times and he ended up walking out on her. And then there are two very young daughters. Obviously, Dr. Roz was freaking devastated and depressed um, because of this. Who can relate? Uh, Who can relate? She was having terrible dreams and super anxious. She was unable to sleep. And she said, screw it. If I can't effing sleep, I'm going to study why I can't sleep. That's cool. More power to her. That's fucking right. And so because of that and her her forever interest in, in dreams, she opened the first sleep lab. Do you understand why her subjects would eventually become, who would eventually become also other divorced A's and divorced women? She wanted to understand why they had similar sleepless nights. Because you experienced that, right? Oh my God. Yeah, I had to take, speaking of benzos, I had to take a F load of them just to fall asleep. Because the anxiety was keeping you up? Yep. Oh, I could see that. God damn. Whew. Those were real bad days, man. How did I survive? But you're here now. I am. That's all that matters. You can Ooh. see clearly now the rain is gone. <laughs> <laughs> Shh, 
sure is. It feels really good. But anyhow, so other divorced women clearly experience trauma. Yes, preach, we do. So because of this, she, Dr. Roz hypothesized that dreaming, particularly in REM sleep, again, is a way to process emotions experienced. She went on to write a book called The 24-Hour Mind about her experiences studying divorced women. Interesting. That would be a good read. Yeah, I kind of want to, for me especially, I want to check that out. But her daughter, Carolyn, remembers all this work. Obviously, a lot of research went into it and taking away their mommy's time. So this is a quote from the New York Times article. Quote, her daughter, Carolyn, said that she was at the age of five or six when her, her mother worked nights. And that afterward, when Carolyn was eight or nine, she had terrible nightmares. It was a traumatic time. And I was pretty mad at one point, she said. In her dreams, monstrous giants were chasing her. She, Aww. Yeah. She had the wings to fly, but her poor little wings wouldn't work. Aww. So Dr. Roz takes the bull by the horns and says, and decided that at bedtime she would be with her daughter and say, kind of talk her through it. Ease her fears before sleep and drifting off. And she was quoted as saying, maybe next time you could get the monsters to run slower. And make your wings bigger mm-hmm. so, so she was that's what she said to her daughter to help her and apparently her daughter said has reported never having a bad dream since oh and dr cartwright or dr Roz said it was a gift she said the gift of sleep oh sweet yeah i thought so but she ain't done making boss lady moves okay okay so she's doing this as the first woman. She then becomes chair of the Department of Behavioral Sciences at Rush University Medical Center in Chicago in 1977. Okay. She founded its Sleep Disorder Research and Treatment Center, where she would remain there until she retired in 20, 2008. So she'd been studying shit for Eva, mm-hmm. which is badass. So during her story career, she also studied, like I said, and treated disorders like sleepwalking, sleep sex, sleep eating, and troubles of those that she called sleep explorers. And these are people who would stray from their homes while sleepwalking. That shit is scary. No, thank you. <laughs> yeah, that is scary. Um, but anyway, one of her biggest nods is actually finding something to help sleep apnea patients. So she studied this so deeply and she hypothesized that it was something that affect people and the partner, obviously, as we know. So she studied the impacts of the snoring partner, partner lack of sleep, and then obviously the person, why are they going into this, this thing and how it impacted their relationship and their marriage, right? Because sleep is obviously so integral into how we perform and act and live during the day. And happiness. And happiness, exactly. Because if you don't get enough sleep, it really can make you depressed. Yeah, absolutely it can. Now, on the flip, if you sleep too much, like I was doing in those divorcee times, mm, that's also not great. But Dr. Raj's work showed us that the diagnosis of obstructive sleep apnea was actually a thing and because of what she discovered it was instrumental in developing like a tongue retaining device as a treatment for sleep apnea patients so it's something to like restrain the tongue so they didn't disturb the breathing while sleeping interesting and because of her research they were able to actually create a medical device to help these patients wow and their spouses Um, that's so interesting that your tongue would have that kind of impact yeah yeah it's just crazy So even though she wasn't home a lot, Dr. Cartwright said in this New York Times article, in the night collecting dreams, 
I felt at home, she said in 2011. This is a Hallmark movie. <laughs> Actually, there is one. Is there no shit? <laughs> Not about her life, but the guy she testified okay. on behalf of. I thought it was about her. I was Speaking like, wow. Speaking of him, Kenneth Parks, he was the young Canadian man, again, acquitted of murder thanks to Dr. Cartwright's testimony because he was so thankful to her. He asked her if she could help him retrieve his memories from that awful night. Mm -hmm. She recalled it in her book, The 24-Hour Mind Again, and she said to him gently, would you even want that? And apparently he answered with his low head, and he said, only if you can take it away again. Oh, wow. So at least he's remorseful. Yeah. So this woman, badass, she's studying dreams, she's helping people, ahead of her time, obviously, and, you know, for the better or for worse, this guy was acquitted because of her expertise in sleep research and dreaming and sleepwalking. But she did some incredible things for the 50 years plus. And again, women pioneer helping other divorced ladies, but just people in general, because again, sleep is how we function. So that is the story of Dr. Ross, who again passed away. I want to say, when did she pass away? This was, again, last year, March, March 15th, when this was published. She died at 98 years old. Wow. Long life, though, but a long, meaningful long, life. Long, meaningful life. And this is her, just so you can Aww, see. Aw, she looks really sweet. Yeah. Well, good job. So, Dr. Roz. So, I do have some updates, because I know on Tuesday's Tuesday. episode, we said we'd answer some questions. So, the first one, which I, I asked Krista, and we weren't sure... Was do you burn more calories in your R in REM? And the question is yes. So during REM, our glucose metabolism increases, accelerating the rate of calorie burn. So the longer you sleep, the more calories you burn, but oversleeping has the reverse effect and it slows down your metabolism. Hence my gaining weight in the divorce sleeping it off situation <laughs> you don't think it was all the eating too well i did yeah i mean on top of the booze the eating the sleeping it was not a good combination yeah. but it was during the pandemic i mean you got to be uh forgiving of yourself i, I know I'm, walk, I'm working through that and then the other question i asked krista because we were talking about the cycles like how uh many cycles does someone have in their sleep is it one it's actually on average four to five but it's most cycles last 90 to 120 minutes. It probably depends on how much of a solid sleeper you are. Hmm. And then I was looking and I got into a little, you know, how you find one thing. Yeah. Thank you, Google. <laughs> um, but and you said something about, I don't know what made me think about this, but pregnant being pregnant. Oh, yeah. Because pregnant women typically are storiedly, folklorically, whatever. They are typically said to have crazy dreams. Yes. And it said vivid dreams and nightmares are more common. And I couldn't, I didn't look into it too far, but it seems like more probably it's like the anxiety, the anticipation of bringing on a new life. Yeah. And hosting it nonetheless. Yes. And having to take care of the thing. (laughs) I mean, that would be, I mean, uh, exciting and a highly... Um, I could just imagine your emotions are oh, at all time high. Yeah. Because your body's changing. You have no control of your body. Mm-hmm. Anyway, sleeping and dreaming is such a fascinating thing. I thought this was a really cool topic. Thanks. Yeah. Again, obviously no secret. I love dreams. And because of this, we're going to do uh, sleepwalking and what was the other one? Help me out. Oh, sleep paralysis. Because 
that shit. Ella's time to go. She's trying to take a nap, apparently. Speaking of dreaming. Uh, excuse <laughs> us. So uh, sleep paralysis and sleep walking coming at you at future dates. Awesome. Again, rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks Patreon, for listening. Patreon we- as well. Yes. We- $2 a day goes a long way. Yes, that rhymes. $2 a day? You're asking for a lot. <laughs> oh, I mean, $2 one time. That's fine. We'll take anything at this point. <laughs> yes. Anyway, thanks for listening. We appreciate it more than you know. It makes us so happy. And peace be witches. Peace. Good night. Nighty night. Thanks for listening. Check us out on Instagram or bewitchbanter.com. Suggestions for the show? Email us at bewitchbanter at gmail.com. Credits? Music Phantom Fun by Jonathan Boyle from premiumbeat.com. Podcasts edited and produced by Krista Hins and Amy Holt. As always, if you enjoyed, please rate, review, and subscribe.